Hi there, and welcome to this week's episode of The Relative Perspective. I'm your host, Kim. Thanks for joining me. Just to set the scene for you today, I am at West Burton Falls, and quite frankly, I feel that this is the way everyone should start every day, by water. It's certainly where I'm at my happiest. Um, Oh my goodness, I've just seen a salmon jump! I've never seen that before. Oh my god! Anyway, well, there you go. That's what you get for setting the scene and live recordings. Um, This is so exciting. Anyway, (laughs) such a sad person. Um, Yeah, so I'm surrounded by water and waterfalls and now salmon leaping. So I'm just going to, yeah, keep this audio running. Um, And yeah, enjoy, enjoy the falls, enjoy the water. Hope you find it relaxing. And thank you so much for joining me for episode three of the Relative Perspective podcast. The feedback from last, uh, oh, sorry, uh, the last episode was just absolutely wonderful. So thank you so much to everyone that's listened. And yeah, thanks again for joining me um, this time around as well. I hope you enjoy this episode. But for now, just enjoy the water. I can't see another salmon, uh, but he'll come back. He'll come back. He'll keep trying. Um, yeah, hope you find this relaxing. Or maybe it just makes you need to go to the loo. Um, I don't know. <laughs> So I've listened back to that live recording on location and um, it just it just sounded like hissing in the background. So perhaps it wasn't the best idea, but I did see, and it's the only time I've ever seen, a salmon jumping. Uh, and it was quite late in autumn. So yeah, I don't think that, that happens often, but that was really exciting. Um, I then spent about half an hour just looking at this bridge going, come on, come back. Uh, it didn't, uh, but yeah, that was the only evidence I had that I'd seen this salmon jump. Anyway, we're in West Burton, which is sort of Winsordale and Leyburn area of the Yorkshire Dales uh, for my dad's birthday. We had a, a lovely long weekend, so that was really nice. And my mum organised it all, and yeah, it was just really, really lovely time. So this is episode three of the Relative Perspective podcast. We're still going. <laughs> And I hope you've enjoyed episodes one and two, and I hope you enjoy this episode as well. Uh, Thank you very much for joining me and for all your feedback and for listening to the previous episodes. I hope you've enjoyed them, and I really hope you enjoy this one as well. I was hoping to do these podcast episodes every two weeks, but I've been really busy uh, in the last couple of weeks, and I've just not found any time to sit down and sort of streamline my thoughts or yeah just put anything together uh, and that's what I'm going to talk to you about this week the reason why uh, so my big news is I've moved so I'll start with that uh, but that's going to be the topic of of conversation uh, for this episode uh, before we get on to that um, I'm using my new microphone this is very exciting it's my birthday present and I've unpackaged it I have no idea how to put all the packaging back neatly. It's like the COVID tests. How on earth do you get all those Q-tips back in there? Um, But yeah, so hopefully hopefully it sounds nice. I probably need to work on on the acoustics and things like that. But this is is all learning. It's all very new to me. I was having a flick through my How to Start a Podcast book and sort of landed on this page. It was like, you need to plan, you need to think about what you're doing. You don't want to burn out too soon. And I was really worried that I'd peak too soon 
with uh, episode two because it was quite funny. But you always get like really funny stories when when you're dating. Look at Bridget Jones, um, look at How to Be Single, Sex and the City, Friends. There's there's just so much comedy uh, that comes from from being single and exploring relationships and things like that. So I was hoping to do this episode actually and talk a little bit more about dating during the pandemic and sort of social expectations and things like that. But the person I wanted to speak to, um, well, we've just not been able to get together to to have that conversation and I haven't sort of sent over questions and things like that or planned the episode properly. So uh, that will be a topic that I absolutely return to. Um, I wasn't going to mention this either on the episode because I didn't think I was in sort of a, not necessarily a fit state, but I was just a little bit miffed. Um, it's probably a, yeah, an understatement, but so following my Scottish trip, um, and then waiting three days to hear from this chap, um, I... I sent him a little gift. So he was waiting for some exam results. Uh, just to clarify, he's not a student. I'm not a cradle snatcher. Um, he is the same age as me. He's just doing some additional professional exams. And yeah, so we were in the kitchen cooking together on, I think it was the Saturday night. And and I think in the morning, he'd also said the same thing because he was cooking breakfast for me. And he said, I need a butter dish. And he continued to say it a number of times throughout the weekend, oh, I need a butter dish. And I even went to like a, a local shop looking for some Scottish tablet. And I found him in sort of the gift section. And I was like, oh, what are you looking for? He's like, oh, I just wondered if there was a butter dish. So he was, you know, it was on his mind. Anyway, so obviously I got home. And I thought, do you know what, if, you know, if his exam goes well and, and things like that, I'll, I'll just send him this, this nice little gift. Uh, my friends were completely split um, about whether or not I should send this. And they're like, what are you doing sending him this guy this butter dish? And I was like, well, because it's an, he needs one and it's a really nice thought. But I, I'd like to explain the extent to which this is a really nice thought. So he likes autumn. He likes red squirrels, and we saw one together on our walk. He likes mushrooms. He cooked me mushrooms. Bearing in mind, I don't like mushrooms, but I like this guy, so I ate the mushrooms. This is not the first time I have eaten mushrooms that have been cooked for me by a guy that I liked. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm willing to eat the mushrooms. So he likes mushrooms. We saw lots of mushrooms on our walk and he kept pointing them out to me. And then he likes birds. And this, I, I found an autumnal butter dish from Anthropology, And it was absolutely gorgeous. So I was like, oh, I've got a little discount code. I will I'll get him this butter dish. It's a really nice, thoughtful gift. He needs one. I think his birthday's soon. I have a feeling it's at the beginning of December, but... In fact, I think I know when it is, but out of spite at this point, I am, I'm not going to message him. Anyway, so, so it's on principle. It's entirely on principle. So I sent in this butter dish and he didn't pass his exam, but I, I, you know, I sent it and said, you know, I'm cheering it up and put a little note in that just said, hope you still need a butter dish, dot, dot, dot. Not love, 
not kind regards, not kindest regards, not best wishes, none of that. I think I put from or just my name and a kiss. So not even sort of a massive declaration. It's literally just a box with a butter dish and a little note in it. So I sent that off up to Inverness special delivery because I used to work in the logistics industry. So I know what it's like. And it arrived on the Wednesday and he has a day off on the Wednesday and he signed for it. And we are now one week and one day, so eight days later, and I have not received a thank you. Not even a thanks or thanks for the butter dish. I'll be in touch soon. Or what the hell are you doing sending me a butter dish? Who do you think you are? Not just nothing. I'm just, there's no thanks. It's just, we're lacking any kind of manners at this point. Um, just have a sip of my brew. That was a really, <laughs> a really slurpy, slurpy sip there. Anyway, you should also have a brew or something stronger. Um, have a sip, have another one. Um, so yeah, pop that down. So that was that. So we're now on day eight. No thanks, no nothing. Um, there we go. So I asked my friends, should I have sent this butter dish or not sent this butter dish? Again, very mixed reviews, you know, carrying out my own little survey, spoke to my colleague. Most of my work calls now begin by, by way of brief background, <laughs> this is what's happened and this is the current situation. And we're sort of 30 minutes in before we're talking about sort of an intellectual property or, or contractual issue because that's what I do on my work calls. That's not true because I think my boss listens to this. I build relationships, there you go. Um, and, and they find it funny. People say, oh, everybody should have a Kim call at least once a week. It will, it will cheer you up. So there we go. Day eight and no thank you. Um, my colleague said, you don't give gifts to receive thanks, which is, you know, it's perfectly valid. And it was a very thoughtful and very nice gift. And, and maybe he doesn't know how to say thank you, which is odd. But then I haven't learned the word no yet either. So I can understand why he might not have learn the word thank and you, or the words thank and you. So we will just have to wait and see. There we go. So that's that's my update. So the, yeah, that, that was the other reason why I didn't really want to talk about <laughs> being single <laughs> or relationships. There's obviously the off chance that he was paying attention to me and he has found this podcast and he didn't like um, the last episode. That's, you know what, that's a risk I have to take because... This is my podcast and it's my perspective and I can say what I want. Um, but yeah, do get in touch about that. If you've ever sent a person a butter dish and, and that's a very niche um, reason to get in touch. But if you have, get in touch. Let me know how long on average it takes for people to say thank you. Um, I, you know, I give gifts at weddings and it could be months later before I receive a card. Um, you know, it's just you know, what do I do? But I think I'm I'm basing the whole thing on, he's just not that into me. You know, it's, it's not difficult to get in touch and say thank you. So there we go. That's that. That was a very short-lived, oh, I like this guy. Let's do a podcast episode on it. I'll keep you updated. And then three weeks later, the, the wheels have come off. But there we go. Um, it's, it's, yeah, ultimately, if, 
you know, without manners and common courtesy, it's no great loss, quite frankly. So there we go. That's my update. Slightly depressing <laughs> this week, but actually I've, um, well, I've not, I've not been particularly bothered by it. I, it's just there in my mind. I've had other things going on because I have moved. I am currently recording from my swanky new pad in Ulverston. Um, my furniture got delivered yesterday, although I think they've built the bookcase wrong. So I, I specifically spent money on nice new pieces of furniture that would last me. They were the first ever pieces of proper furniture I was buying. I didn't want to have to put it together myself. I can, you know, barely function as an adult. I couldn't poach an egg yesterday. I had an absolute nightmare with my little milk pan. Um, and I think they've built this bookcase wrong. So the, the top panel, this piece of oak at the top, I think it's upside down. And on the one hand, I, I can't see it because the bookcase is massive, but equally, I know it's there. And so I've sent a really snotty email um, and just said, this is completely unacceptable. Um, I paid a lot of money for this furniture and the back of one piece is actually stapled on. And uh, I, I really think this um, bookcase has been built incorrectly. I'm willing to keep it as it is, but you can refund me either the entire amount of the bookcase or, or whatever. That is what I used to do for a living, litigation. So, you know, <laughs> I feel sorry for the person that's gonna pick up that email. Anyway, this episode is gonna be about home. Home is where the heart is, Yorkshire-born, Yorkshire-bred, housing. That's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. I'm going to start by talking about my experience during the pandemic and where I've been and, and my living situation. I'm then going to talk about my current living situation and let you know what I've been up to uh, in the last few weeks and months in relation to moving. And then I'm going to spend some a little bit of time uh, towards the end of this podcast just talking about buying a house why it's so hard, <laughs> uh, but future aspirations. And I'm also going to spend some time talking about the cladding scandal as well. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you again for joining me. Um, I'm going to put some links into sort of various charities and, and organisations that you can get in touch with uh, should you want to make a donation uh, to any of these things that I've been talking about. Um, uh, just to let you know, it's not donating to my my house deposit, uh, just to clarify that. But you might want to go away and do your own research about um, yeah, buying a house or mortgages or maybe the cladding scandal or, or make a donation to um, a charity such as Shelter or Centrepoint um, who help uh, people who are homeless. So I'll leave it there for now and uh, let's move on to, yeah, the first, I guess, feature in inverted commas, uh, which is, yeah, what I've been doing in the last couple of years in terms of uh, where I've been living. The best place to start a story is at the beginning. So by way of very brief summary, um, yeah, my, my living situation can largely be classified and yeah summarized as living at home with mum and dad I was living in Leeds and in the same town and albeit for you know a space of three years in the same house um 
where I went, um, yeah, where I, where I grew up. So I did nursery and primary school and high school all in the same area. Um, I moved out in 20, 2008 for university. I moved up to Newcastle and lived in the city for my first year and then moved down to Durham um, and actually lived with my grandma. Um, and it was... It, it was it was really nice to spend that time with her. But one evening, uh, I went out um, with some friends at Durham University. We were doing a bar crawl around the co- college bars, and it was so cheap, and I was so drunk. And I got back to the house, and my grandma had waited up, and I, I, I don't know, rolled up the drive, quite literally, and she was stood at the door, and I sort of snapped back into being sober, and I was like, Grandma, did you, did I leave this door open? Did I leave the door open? And she looked at me and she went, no, I've just opened the door. I was waiting for you. I saw the taxi. And I was like, oh, no. And um, she said, do you, do you feel okay? No, I don't, I don't feel very good. So I went up to bed and uh, the room was spinning. And within seconds, I was in the bathroom, not being well. Um, but I take great comfort in the fact that this is not the first time that my grandma will have had to deal with that. Um, my dad and his brother, my uncle, um, will have got into a few hairy states, um, in their time while they were living at home. My, my dad played rugby and they're notorious. And, um, he, he always tells me the story that, um, my granddad, met him at the door much like grandma had met me at the door and sort of took one look at my dad and pointed in the direction of a bush around the side of the house and he's like if you are going to throw up there you're going to throw up do it there um so (laughs) so, apples and trees as they say anyway so yeah I was living at home and moved back home uh, after university and got a job in a uh, law firm in Leeds and yeah just moved back in with mum and dad and then uh, Jonathan joined us a year or two later after he finished university um and and that was it there were four of us in the house and yeah it was fine and dad and I car shared and went into Leeds and, and whatnot um and it was just easy and comfortable and probably too easy and perhaps too too comfortable but there's there's nothing wrong with that and there's certainly nothing wrong with with being at home but as I got closer to 30 and qualifying and generally just a bit sort of bored of life in Leeds and you know I've, I've already talked about sort of some of the comparisons that I've made um I went on holiday <laughs> I went to I went to the US and I did uh, New York, Washington DC and Texas and met up with uh, my best friend who was living in Texas at the time and I do not remember having this conversation but apparently I made some pretty big decisions and uh, and said I was going to move out and maybe get another job and you know see what was going to happen. And in 2019 that is exactly what I did. I got a job as a in-house solicitor um for a company Um, yeah I mean it's it's on LinkedIn but we don't need to go into that kind of detail at the moment anyway um yeah this isn't sort of the time or place to talk about my job career but it was the catalyst to a huge move and a massive life change so 
in July 2019, I moved to a house share in Barrow and Furness. So that's the very south of Cumbria. I had the sea on one side and the fells and lakes on the other. And uh, it's funny because I, I fell in love with Barrow the minute my feet touched the ground. It had a cinema, a gym, a park. It had park run. Um, had church and choirs and Zumba and yoga and scenery and Morrisons and Aldi and Dunelm, you name it, um, and Barrow had it. Um, I did six months at this house share and the whole point of that was just to have a place to live and get settled in and meet people and, and that kind of stuff. And then I rented um, a house in Ulverston, which is a, a wonderful market town about 10 miles up from uh, from Barrow, um, and yeah, my little terrace house had a wood-burning stove and two huge bedrooms, and I made it cosy and homey, and it had a galley kitchen, <laughs> I didn't know it was called a galley kitchen, I called it a gallery kitchen, <laughs> I don't know what that is, um, but yeah, it, you know, and um, the, the bathroom was like a four-piece bathroom, and but it was off the main bedroom so if I if I ever had guests over they would need to walk through my room to to get to the bathroom anyway I went for a, a cottagey look and, and moved in in uh, January February 2020 and then as you all know Covid hit and on the 23rd of March 2020 uh, work sent us home until further notice and I remember thinking and saying uh, oh, this will be over in two weeks um anyway I took all my stuff and worked from home on the dining room table and was completely alone. I didn't meet up with friends. I did my 30 minutes of state-sanctioned exercise every day. Um, you know, we were really strict about what we were doing and who we were meeting and all of that kind of stuff. When I went out for a run, I'd give me people like a four-metre wide but I'd run to the opposite side of the road. Um, anyway, um... We all then got a letter from work which said, don't expect to return to the office until the end of 2021. And at the time, that was about 18 months away. So in between all of that, uh, Grandad wasn't very well and I knew I couldn't do another 18 months of being entirely alone. Uh, and I was basically paying the best part of a grand a month to use my house as an office and I was, I was isolated. Um, so all of these friends and this life I'd built for myself, I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't go and do. Uh, so I spoke to my boss and I spoke to my parents and I asked if I could work from Leeds and, and move back home. So precisely 365 days from the day I moved out, I moved back home. Uh, I couldn't believe it. It was literally, yeah, exactly a year. I put everything in storage. Um, I drove a massive white van to and from um, Barrow and then Ulverston and back again. And I was heartbroken and angry and maybe even a little bit embarrassed. And I look back and I just think, why? Why did I feel that way? But I think I, I felt that my move hadn't worked and that it looked like I couldn't stand on my own two feet. And I was just really bothered by what people might think and what people might say and all that kind of stuff and in the end I, I only told a handful of people that I was actually coming back and I, I barely saw anyone anyway so it was a fairly you know well-kept secret um I tried to explore new places in Yorkshire 
but you couldn't really drive anywhere for fear of being caught. You know, we were, we were so strict. You know, my mum and I went to um, Fountains Abbey and she was in the car and she's like, what if we get stopped? What if we get stopped? And I was like, well, we'll just tell them we're from Yorkshire. It's, you know, got to do something. Um, and looking back, you know, I feel like really the only thing holding lockdown together was social accountability and, and our conscience. Um, anyway, that's a topic for another for another episode. But I was I was just miserable. Um, I wasn't having summer in the lakes, and I felt that I was trapped and just going back around in circles. And all the reasons I left Leeds were still there, and somehow my friends still seemed to be cracking on with their lives, like. Um, you know, they were buy, still buying houses and, and getting pregnant and uh, moving forward even during a pandemic. And I was just absolutely beside myself. Um, and even now, I, I cannot actually describe how I felt or what moving home was like. And my feelings and my behavior was just ridiculous because it was absolutely the right thing to do financially and personally. And, and I made that choice. Like it was, it was absolutely my decision. Um, but I've got a, you know, if you think, if you've got children and they're toddlers and you think they can tantrum, well, <laughs> you've not seen anything. I have got a set of mutant lungs on me and no shame. <laughs> so I, yeah, I just, and I, th I think, you know, sort of various other issues that I was having just compounded how I was feeling and, and my behavior, but I, you know, could, anything could just make me flip and I would scream from a place that, I, yeah, um, I genuinely heard glasses rattle in cupboards around me. Um, and that is that's just not acceptable behavior at all. Um, my parents, despite all of that, welcomed me home. They're wonderful. Um, I'm going to try and get through this bit without getting teary. Um, I honestly don't know what I'd do without them. We, we get on so well and... I'll never be able to thank them for always being there. Um, they looked after me. They really did in the last 18 months. I think we were all there for one another. Um, and obviously, you know, there's a few personality clashes <laughs> and um, blips in the road. And I, you know, I honestly do believe that if they just did as they were told, <laughs> we, would, <laughs> we would all be fine. But um, yeah, I think the only way I can thank them is uh, my plan in the future is to buy a house slash land and build a beautiful self-contained annex next to my manor so they can come and live with me for a change. Anyway, the summary of all that is I spent 18 months living back in Leeds. Um, of course I missed the shopping and Harrogate and easy access to North Yorkshire, but there are two things I know to be true. That home is the people you fill it with, not the bricks and mortar around you. And Leeds will still be there uh, if I need it. So I guess that brings me around to, to thinking about, you know, sh you know, was I the only person that did this? <laughs> you know, you hear um, people moving in with one another very hurriedly um, because this lockdown happened and it's either made or braid, braid. <laughs> it's either um, make or broken <laughs> their relationship. Grandma's gone all, all together there. Um, and yeah, 
who, you know, who moved back with their parents. A couple of my friends did it, but it was purely for the purposes of saving for a deposit. So it was a very short period of time. Um, I guess, yeah, my question is, you know, what, what was your living situation? Have you, have you been an adult back at home? And do you feel like you've lost that independence? And, you know, how is that? Yeah. What, what, yeah. Yeah. I just, it's, it's just interesting because I just kept thinking because I hadn't heard on the news or anything that anyone else had, had done something similar, but you, you do sort of hear, Oh, I moved my grandma in with me or, um, you know, to make sure that people weren't alone. But yeah, I, I just felt, you know, obviously it was absolutely the right decision, but equally I, it was all about circumstances. And I, you know, I hate my life being dictated to me by, you know, anything that I, I've not orchestrated and controlled myself. So yeah, just have a think on, on those questions. Um, because that's, that's been my story during the pandemic, albeit briefly. Uh, I think if you, if you speak to either of my parents, they'd, they'd have perhaps a slightly different version of events with a lot more detail about just, yeah, how, what I'm like, <laughs> but for now we'll go with, we'll go with my perspective. <laughs> So that brings us to the here and now. Uh, it's 2021, it's November, and I have just moved back into a swanky new pad in Ulverston. I really wanted to move back to Ulverston. Um, it's where my friends are, and it's such a beautiful market town and a great access to the rest of the lakes, but equally just that bit closer to the motorway. And I was sort of very clear about what I wanted as well. And it, it needed to have two bedrooms so that I could have people uh, over to stay. But equally, you know, somewhere to separate work because working from home is what's going to happen. That there, there will be that, you know, hybrid solution and, and all of that kind of stuff now. So this is sort of the new world order. So I, I absolutely, absolutely wanted that extra space. And I was searching and searching and searching, even when I shouldn't have been. I was just constantly on right move. It was, it was like a social media addiction, and I was checking, you know, right move every five. That is not an over exaggeration. It was it was every five minutes just to see if something new had popped up, and the, the place I'm in now, actually came up about nine months ago, um, when I shouldn't have been looking, but I I saw it. And it was everything I wanted to the point that um, it was part furnished and it had bed frames, but no mattresses. Well, I had two brand new mattresses, but no bed frames. And I was like, this is, this is just a match made in heaven. The rest I can deal with the sort of soft furnishings. And anyway, the, the property came and went um, and my anxiety just built and built and built because I was terrified that I was not going to be the only one trying to move back to Ulverston. Um, rental prices had absolutely skyrocketed. So had sort of the demand for houses as well around here because it's such a beautiful place and, you know, people are moving out of cities because they don't have to be so close to work, etc. And yeah, I was, I was just really terrified that work were going to sort of spring on me this, um, 
sort of requirement to be back in the office and I would have nowhere to live and I would either, you know, have to rent a cottage for a week or an Airbnb or, you know, a hotel for a week or throw myself at the mercy of my friends and sleep in their spare bedroom, which is just no way for anybody to live because I'd be doing it out of a suitcase. Anyway, um, there's a lot to be said for timing and, and, you know, someone looking over me and yeah, this property came up again. And this time, uh, yeah, I just kind of thought, right, I don't have to be back, but it might be the case that now's a good time as any. So I I came across and had a look at it and it was, it was really lovely and it just needed to be lived in and, you know, a bit of a, you know, Kim final touches sort of thing. And I slept on it that weekend and, uh, and paid a small deposit, holding deposit, while they ran some reference checks and all that kind of stuff. And then got the keys on the 12th of November. And yeah, drove across in the car, picked up the keys and brought so much kitchen stuff, which was out of storage and things. And yeah, I just thought at least I can get a car load across. It's, you know, five less boxes that I don't need to be worrying about when I get here, uh, when we do the big move. And there were some pretty unpleasant surprises when I arrived and it was cold and I didn't know how to turn the heating on or get the hot water or anything like that. So that was difficult um, and it wasn't particularly pleasant, but uh, that's, yeah, that's all been dealt with now, which is great. And yeah, I've got furniture arriving, some furniture has arrived already, my upside down bookcase. And uh, my sofa's arriving next week. They're going to come and take away sort of the two chairs that they left behind for me, which is really good of them. And yeah, I've settled in and I've had stuff on pretty much every night since I arrived. So this is the first time I've had a chance to kind of sit down and and think about things and record the podcast. But my friend was with me on, on Friday last week when I moved in and my dad and I did it, just the two of us. And it was a, a very unusual dad-daughter bonding day. And I don't think I was his favourite person um, because there's no parking at the property. You've got to park in a, a car park around the corner or on the street. And he was just like, how on earth are we going to be able to get the stuff in, in the property? And I was like, I don't know. But we managed it. And I'm in. And I'm not allowed to move. Um, my dad would not be happy. So... Yeah, we did that and we had an absolutely horrific drive across. Anyway, we worked really hard together and, and got everything into the property and, and set everything up and, and a friend came round on the Friday night and my dad left and I was in tears at the door as he sort of walked down the yard and I was stood whimpering at the front door after I'd closed it and I came back upstairs and, and my friend said, are you, are you all right? And I went, no. And I just burst into tears and I was just like, you can't hug me. I don't smell very good. <laughs> and she was like, don't worry about it. Anyway, we ended up having fish and chips. I didn't have much of an appetite, but it was really nice to have some company. And then we unpacked a few bits and bobs. So yeah, I got a brew on and a kettle and microwave out and things like that. And then uh, she made me go through my things. And I think she watches a show called Sort Your Life Out. And I think I'm going to start watching it. But she was brutal about my belongings. So, um, yeah, we made a pile that was going to the charity shop. And quite rightly so. Uh, you know, there's no point hoarding things that you're not using. And um, ultimately, my life's been in storage for 18 months. I've clearly not been that bothered about it. And I did get rid of an awful lot of stuff as well. 
uh, prior to that. So yeah, I just, it just, I don't know where it comes from. I really don't. I don't re remember buying any of this stuff. Anyway, so that's, that's where I am now. I am renting and it's really nice. I've paid quite a big deposit, so I don't have any rent to pay until January. So I think January is the month that it's going to bite. Uh, but I'm, I'm just about ready for that. And yeah, I've been productive at work this last week. I've got internet and yeah, things are coming together really nicely. Uh, it's obviously a little bit echoey in here until I get a few more things in. Um, but it's got really high ceilings and there's loads of lovely light, um, which is really nice. So yeah, it's, it's coming together and yeah, <laughs> I can't wait to have visitors and things like that. Um, so that's my current situation. And I think, I think if I'd have recorded this podcast any sooner, particularly if I'd have, I'd have done it on Friday night, I would have, the, the tone and, and the things that I had been saying would have been completely different because I, I do feel very forced about the whole situation because I don't actually have to be back at work and in the office but equally I, I do need a, a suitable place to live and you know the rental market the way it is at the moment there just hasn't been anything and the demand has just been really like nothing else so uh, I'm, I'm glad I've got something sorted and I'm sorted and settled and ready for whatever decision work makes whenever they make it. But I think the other thing to remember is, and it's funny because I had a conversation with my neighbour earlier today, or my old next door neighbour earlier today, and and she said, you know, I feel like your your life is is on track, and I think that was that was the other side of it. I've I've moved back to the place where I was really happy, you know, best part of two years ago, and and this is this is my life and, and my independence and. I'm I'm going to, you know, make the most of it and enjoy it for as long as possible. And um yeah, the friend that was with me, such a wonderful friend, um on Friday, uh just looked at me and she said this is absolutely the right thing to do. It it will be fine. And of course she's right. We're 6 days later and of course she's right. Um I was fine after I'd slept and you know my parents came and visited the following day. They are down the road, albeit a long road. They are, that's where they are. And um, I love I love this place. I love walking. I love being outdoors. You know, I like my own company as well. I'm looking forward to meeting new people. I'm looking forward to catching up with my old friends. And yeah, it's um, it's a really exciting time. So yeah, we, we end the, the here and now on a good note, I think. Buried somewhere underneath all of the news about COVID, you may have noticed and heard that house prices have rocketed in the last 18 months. I think people have maybe realised or required or, or wanted a spare room or office space and certainly outside space. People have taken to DIY, they're doing more around their homes to make them nice to live in, uh, maybe getting ready to sell, or just a few home improvements. The demand soared, but the number of houses didn't. So between the usual market forces of supply and demand, 
the UK has seen heavily inflated prices, which means that those buying are actually borrowing more as well. As you know, I'm not a honeowner. <laughs> I'm not a honeowner. I'm. I'm not one of. The, I don't know what that is. <laughs> I am not a homeowner. I rent. I think we're a bit obsessed in this country about owning things and planning for a future. And it's absolutely right that we do and that we make preparations for retirement and we have investments and, and all of that kind of stuff. But if you look at the continent, that's just not the same. People, you know, don't buy houses. They, they rent more. Anyway, there's also the old adage, an Englishman's house is his castle. Of course I want to buy, but I don't know where. And I came to view a couple of houses in Cumbria um, in the last sort of six months when I was thinking about moving back um, and trying to move back and trying to find somewhere suitable to rent. And then I was looking at the option of, of buying as well. And the properties were just completely unsuitable. There was so much that needed doing to them. And there were just, you know, I, I don't even have sort of a, a, you know, an absolute checklist of things that I have to have or the things I'm willing to compromise on. But there was just so much that this didn't, these properties just didn't meet. And I also noticed, and this isn't just sort of in Cumbria, but the difference between me buying a terrace house and then finding a semi-detached house in the area that I want to live in is about the equivalent of me finding another £30,000 for my deposit, not to mention what I'd have to try and borrow from a bank or, or anything else, or anyone else for that matter. And if you step into the Lake District National Park, you can easily add at least 20% onto the average house price. And the average house price of a cottage, um, I'd say you're looking at 400,000, half a million. Um, and, you know, I'll always have a little play on right move. And just like, oh, there's no maximum amount of money that I can spend. It's fantastic. Um and they, you know, there's million, multi-million pound houses with views of Fells and Windermere and Coniston and beautiful places like that. And of course, that's what I want. And maybe one day I will get there, um, but not in the next two years. You know, I want to buy. I want an outdoor space and a drive or a garage or both. I want to be able to put stuff on the walls. Not that I know how. I will get someone to do that. Um... You know, and I want a new kitchen, maybe pink, maybe navy blue with quartz worktops. Um, I'm forever on Pinterest for stuff like that. And a new bathroom, a new swanky bathroom with like a, you know, waterfall monsoon shower and walk in and it's a double shower and, you know, separate roll top bath and, oh, it'd just be wonderful. Um, I want to learn to paint stuff both walls and furniture, but I'm not ready, um, both financially and, and in terms of, you know, where I want to be and, and what I'm looking for. So I've done a little bit of research for this particular segment, and 
the average earnings of a 22 to 29 year old, so obviously just outside of that, um, is 26 to 28,000 pounds. That's average. Um, you've got, you know, between 30s, when you're 30 to 40, the, the average is between 30 and 49,000 pounds. Again, working entirely in averages, the average house price in 2019, early 2020, was over £232,000. So maths is not my strong suit at all. Uh, my best friend is a maths teaching first in maths, and I hated it. I did maths through school, obviously, uh, and took my GCSE a year early. I got an A and vowed I would never do any maths again and you know not a day goes by that I don't use trigonometry or quite frankly quote from Shakespeare but you know heaven forbid that school should have taught me about a mortgage or a pension or just talked to me for like 20 minutes about a current account um anyway <laughs> that by the by just to do some basic maths if the bank lends you or on average, the bank will lend you for a mortgage 4.5 times your salary. So average Joe or average Josephine will get £126,000 from the bank. You then need to have probably a 10% deposit. And I know that there are, you know, 5% deposits and, you know, you may wish to put in more. You have a 10% deposit. So that's £12,600. Plus the amount that the bank will lend you, and you've got roughly one hundred and thirty-eight thousand six hundred pounds. Well, we've just heard what the average house price is, and you're about a hundred thousand pound away from the average house, which might be a two or three bedroom detached with a bit of outdoor space. There's a fantastic article on BuzzFeed, which is a comparison of what you can buy in London and what you can buy anywhere else in the UK. And you could be spending £250,000 and that will get you a garage in London. Uh, you could be spending £500,000 and you'll get a studio um, with a very small bedroom and small everything else. Um, I think that article is still available. It's, it's always quite frightening to, to look at those comparisons. And that's sort of roughly where we are on average and that's why it's hard. You're then left in a situation whereby you're either living at home, contributing or not paying anything, or you are renting. And your rent and your bills, particularly if you're on your own, will take up the best part of half of your salary, which leaves very little behind to save. So you can either save, maybe live off beans on toast or hope for help from your parents or grandparents or maybe even get a windfall from the lottery those are basically your options because because the government sure ain't helping the government always talks about affordable housing or new builds or or whatever it might be and there's a lot of merit to having a brand spanking new house built into certain specifications and things like that. 
But equally, you, you do read about these horror stories of, of new build houses, and my friends have experienced some issues as well when they've purchased them. New builds can come with a host of snags and issues all, you know, all round. They're close together, and they could be building sites for years. Doors might not fit because the carpets are too plump, so things need to be sort of sanded or chiselled away. Doors are on the wrong way around. And completion day and collection of the keys day, moving in day, is actually, you know, you're met with builders still in the house and the bathroom's not finished. And you're paying over a thousand pound on a mortgage, if not more, depending obviously, you know, what your new build's like and who it's built by and what mod cons you've got in there. In addition to that, you've then got your solicitor's fees, your searches, money for advisors. You've got to go through you've got to go through the hassle of trawling through your finances and the costs never stop. If you buy a new build, it's not likely that there'll be much to do when you get in there. But if you don't buy a new build and you're renovating a house, you need to be able to afford maybe a new kitchen, maybe a new bathroom. And then you've got to furnish it and decorate it. I mean, thank goodness DFS is always having a sale. I honestly don't know how my dad did it back then or how you do it now. I am in constant awe of my friends who have managed to do it alone or who have found someone to do it with. And yeah, it's just not me right now. I'm just not there yet. It's obviously not an impossible feat. It just feels like it is. And for me, it absolutely is a goal. And for anyone that knows me, knows if I set one, um, I sure as hell achieve what I set out to do. And, you know, with all that being said, I am in a good position financially. Um, I have a LISA. It's very exciting. Although the other day, uh, <laughs> my account, there was some kind of internal problem with the data and one of the funds that I've invested in wasn't pulling through onto the app, so it looked like I'd lost £3,500 in 24 hours. I mean, I can spend that much money in 24 hours, but oh my goodness, that was terrifying to see my savings take that kind of plunge. Anyway, <laughs> after a small heart attack um, and a phone call later, everything seems to be all right now. But in addition to, you know, a healthy savings pot of my own. Um, I do keep asking my parents for a down payment on my inheritance and they seem to be warming up to that, particularly when I tell them I'm going to build them an entirely self-contained annex next to my manor house. They seem quite on board with that. Anyway, there are, as I've mentioned, some people who have bought and some people who have bought a flat, a beautiful new City centre apartment, perfect for work, and city centre living. Well, almost perfect. The properties are coated in highly flammable materials. I am, of course, talking about the cladding scandal. For those of you that don't know, and there's a very great chance that you don't know because this has barely made it into the news, and it's a social crisis of great magnitude. 
and it was triggered by the fire at Grenfell in 2017, which claimed the lives of 72 people. And what's happened since is high-rise buildings have been checked and surveyed and have found to contain and be made out of and coated in flammable cladding and materials. As a result, owners have been hit with the bills of remedying it. Scaffolding up, cladding being taken down. um, High-rise buildings made good, appropriate materials put back on. Everything, you know, fixed back together, scaffolding taken down. And then the rest. Owners have been hit with bills of £40,000 plus and that's just for their apartment and their contribution and their share of fixing a problem that was caused by shoddy and rushed work and bad decisions and greedy companies and this work was carried out when the owners were sitting their GCSEs and A-levels. How is it their fault? How is it their responsibility to pay that and cover that cost? There are approximately 3 million people caught by the cladding scandal. That's 3 million people who were told during the pandemic by the Prime Minister to stay at home, save lives and protect the NHS. But guess what? Home wasn't safe. The cost of fixing high-rise buildings in this country is approximately £15 billion. 11.3 million people were recently on the government's payroll through furlough. And Test, Track and Trace, you know, that absolutely world-beating, pandemic-causing private company cesspit of an app, cost £13.5 billion in its first year. The costs of the cladding scandal to those who are involved in it could lead to financial ruin. As a solicitor, if I couldn't afford the forty to £50,000 bill, which for the record, I can't, I would have to declare myself bankrupt and I would lose my licence to practice law. That's my livelihood. I could maybe turn my hand to something else, but that's what I do for a living. And that is the threat and that is the risk that's on the table to hundreds of thousands of people up and down the country. These people are unable to sell, unable to remortgage, unable to insure. And it's a fundamental right to feel safe in your home. As I've mentioned, this is barely getting any national attention. And I'm not saying that this podcast is going to make any difference at all. But maybe you've been affected by this. Maybe you know someone who's been affected by this. Your friends, your family, these owners are frightened. They are stressed. And 21% of them are experiencing suicidal thoughts. This scandal has led to extreme financial and emotional hardship by millions of people who are frightened that their home might be next. I'm going to tag some charities and some websites 
that you can look at at your leisure to discover a little bit more about this. But as always, I want you to think about your current living situation. I want you to think about your friends and your families. And I want you to think about other people's and maybe go and ask them, did they ever move home? Did they ever feel that they could? Did they have a safe place to go home to? And do they have a safe place to live in now? I am extremely fortunate that my parents opened their doors back to me. (laughs) It transpires that actually they've repainted my room already. Um, They'll probably turn it into a gym rather than keeping it as a shrine to me. But I've always had a safe place to go home to. And I'm in a safe place now, although it's raining an awful lot, but it does in the Lake District. And I can't wait to have visitors either. But not everyone's that lucky. And that's particularly difficult at Christmas time. It's cold and awful out there. So again, I'm going to post some links to some charities. And you might want to think about donating or going to learn a little bit more. And just expanding what you know and your perspective. Remembering that there's always another situation out there that you need to go and learn about. And that we need to try and understand so that we can help each other um, and, yeah, gain that relative perspective. So that's all from me for this episode. I'm conscious it's not the most cheering note to end on, so maybe you want to go back to the beginning and listen to my butter dish disaster. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode, and I look forward to speaking to you again very soon. promise I won't leave it as long. And um, I'm having, definitely having a guest on my next episode. Uh, I went out for a walk with her the other day and she's convinced she's just going to be giggling for an hour. Um, Do you know what? If that's what happens, we all do need a good laugh. And uh, I hope you can join us where we are going to look back on the pandemic and and how we coped with it and and what we've been through. And yeah, just we're going to cover all all manner of sins and topics. Um, So I, I hope you come back for episode four. But for now, thank you so much for joining me. It's been a pleasure talking to you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you have, um, by all means, yeah, leave a review um, on Anchor. You can ask a question as well. Um, You can do that on Spotify and Apple. Um, I'm out there. And you can also find me on Instagram as well.